I want to welcome you to Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. I'm going to toss it over to our hosts, Micah and Josiah Keneally. What's up, guys? Hope you are feeling alive right now. I'm Josiah Keneally, and I want to welcome you to Young Adults Today podcast, where, you know, we talk about reaching the next generation in our world today. And thanks for tuning in. It's a joy to come into your homes, your spaces, the place that you're at, whether it's your earbuds or your, you know, um, car, wherever you're at, we just want to say thanks for subscribing, rating, leaving a review on iTunes. It helps us reach the message um, and really reach more listeners with the message of young adults today. New episodes drop every Monday and we're joined today by Pastor Matthew Stephen Brown. I'll introduce him in a moment, but welcome to the show. Thank you, brother. You got it. How are you today? I'm doing great, man. Super excited to be on this program and talk to some young leaders. We're excited to have you, and we'll do just that in a second. But Pastor Matthew Stephen Brown is the founding and lead pastor at Sandals Church in Riverside, California. Matt and his wife, Tammy, started Sandals, catch this, in their living room in 1997 and has 13 campuses right now. Each of them, by the way, have an expression of young adult ministry, and I think that's pretty cool. And uh, in California, he's also the author of a brand new book called You, a book called You. So if you're watching it, you can check it out. Um, it's going to be available, but we're going to talk about Enneagram, right? All things yeah. Enneagram, um, a grace-filled biblical perspective, as well as just insight for young leaders. And um, Pastor Matt, before we do, can you just give us a little bit of glimpse into 1997, the living room, how you and your wife got to that home or living yeah. room and what has happened since? Yeah. So, and I, I think it's so important for all of your audience, young leaders. So I was 27 years old when I became a senior pastor. I mean, just think about that for a second. Um, not mature enough to feed my dog on a regular basis, learning how to take care of uh, two little babies, uh, quit my job, left the beach, came to the desert here in Southern California to start Sandals Church and just really struggled. We just struggled in every way wow. you can imagine. I, I would tell people that one day, I, I think I say in the book that my one day I want to write a book called How Not to Start a Church. <laughs> and, and that's the story of Sandals. I did everything wrong. And like so many young leaders, you know, you have gifts, you have talents, and, and God wants to use those for his glory. But in the 90s, what we were told is, only focus on your strengths and ignore your weaknesses. And that's why you wow. see so many leaders just burn out, you know, phase out. I mean, one of, you know, one of those leaders was Bill Hybels. I, I heard him say that yeah. from stage and look at what happened, you know, and God used that guy to transform and change my life. But ultimately, you know, the apostle Paul says, I run in such a way so that I am not disqualified myself after preaching the gospel. And I think as leaders, if we don't address our weaknesses, we could find ourselves being disqualified. And so, um, I just really realized that I didn't know how to help people be real. I didn't know how to be real. The Enneagram gave me the tools to begin that journey. That's amazing. Um, both my wife, Micah, and I, Pastor Matt, we've stumbled across Enneagram. And it's been a blessing to us to help. I think the biggest thing is for me to understand myself. But yeah. then, man, to understand my wife, uh, someday to better understand our daughters, and the teams that we work with and minister alongside and, and, you know, lead, I think that this is going to be really valuable to dive in. But before we do, you know, 
if, if somebody's just tuning in, maybe they're not familiar with Enneagram. Can you just give us kind of a 30,000 foot overview of like, what, what are we talking about? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so, um, you know, whenever you see Enneagram people, right, they go one way. I mean, a lot of Christians like myself and yourself, we've been blessed by it. And then there's another Christian group that's like, it's the devil, you know, it's, it looks like a pentagram. And so here's what I would tell people is the Enneagram as best we can tell started with a Catholic priest who talked about the seven deadly sins. So all of those sins are in, in, in the personality styles and we all gravitate to one of those seven. And then the Enneagram adds two more lying, which is mine as a three and then fear, which is my wife as a six. And so what it helps you to underdo, understand is your core motivation. What's driving me? Why do I do what I do? The apostle Paul says in Romans seven, the good I want to do, I don't do yeah. the very thing I don't want to do. I find myself doing. I think Paul was the first psychologist who said, why, why, why am I doing this? How, how do I understand? Now, ultimately, we attribute that to sin, but sin is a blanket word. But what specific sin is it and what's driving that motivation? And so the Enneagram can help you understand uh, your struggle, your sin, and then your strength, your giftedness. Uh, I tell people all the time, you know, say, well, I, I want to know my spiritual gift so I can serve God. And I say, you are the spiritual gift to serve God. Uh, your giftedness is not something that's separate from you. It's something a part of you. And, and God has wired us just to be amazing uh, gifts to the kingdom of God. But these weaknesses can, can uh, really tear us apart. And so a lot of people, you know, they say, well, I'm, I don't, I'm not a number. Nobody's a number. Of course, you're not a number. But if I invited you to California and I said, hey, I want to have you and your wife over to my house, I'm going to give you some numbers. Those numbers are not me. They're my address. Yeah. They're going to help you to find me. That's what the Enneagram is. The Enneagram is a set of numbers. They're not going to tell you who you are, but they're going to help you find who you are. And, and so I look at my Enneagram scores like a spiritual address. Okay, here's where I'm going to tend to sin and struggle. Here's where I'm going to tend to be healthy uh, and, and really gifted and serve the kingdom of God. And it kind of helps me navigate my journey because we don't all you know, we don't all stumble. Like I'm never going to struggle with alcohol. That's just not been my problem. It's not been my issue. I just score very low, you know, with gluttony and, and greed. I, I, I don't consume. I have a super low nine score, but I have other sins. You know, yeah. I, I tend to be an exaggerator in chief. You know, I just, I, you know, the, the story is better if it's bigger. Right. So God's really had to humble me to tell the truth. Right. Um, the Lord is close to all who call upon him in truth. And as a three, I have to embrace that. And so go figure, you know, I planted a church whose vision is to be real with self, real with others and real with God, not knowing that that's wow. the very thing I needed in order to be the person God's called me to be. And so that's, that's what I would say for people is, and my book is a great place to start. I don't think it's, it's a book for an Enneagram expert, an Enneagram guru. This is for somebody who's curious and says, okay, how does the Enneagram fit into my Christian faith? So the apostle Paul says, take every thought captive and yeah. make it submit to Christ. You know, when I was a young leader, I thought that was always lust. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about philosophies and ways of thinking in the world. So the Enneagram, right, is a way of thinking in the world. How do I take that and make it submit to Christ? How can I learn from that so that I can serve Christ better? And I don't want people to become an expert on the Enneagram. I want people to be an expert on themselves. And, and a lot of people are clueless to themselves. So, well, and one of the things that I just grabbed onto as you're describing this, Pastor Matt, I picture um, 
so many young adults, so many college students, maybe they take a gap year or gap semester, or they, they go abroad, they study abroad, right? And what's the common language they say? I'm going to go find yeah. myself. Yeah. I'm going to go find myself. And I love how you did that with the address of like, and I am for all of the personality types, I think, or well, yeah. Personality tests. Like, I think yeah. I've done all of them. Yeah. Myers Briggs, Strength Finder, Enneagram. I think we should do them all, especially as young leaders who are trying to find ourselves and find our voice and figure out how, how God's wired us and yeah. really who we are. And Enneagram is one of those that I think is kind of the time is now for it. There's such a yeah. time as this and kind of a Kairos moment where people are talking about it. It's going to be popular in the office, um, whether they're in ministry or in, in corporations, there's a lot of Enneagram coaches out there right now. And, um, you said you're a type three, correct? Oh yeah. That's awesome. My wife is a type eight, the challenger, okay. I think yes. is the name. And yeah. then, um, I'm a 97% type seven wow. enthusiast, yeah. but then I'm a 96% type three, the achiever. Yes. So, I mean, I've heard it said that we're all, all of them, like kind of on a wheel, but there's just some that we have stronger. Um, right. and yeah, it's, it's just fun. I can definitely relate to you being an achiever. That's for sure. Yeah. But in a, in a book called you, Pastor Matt, you share about each of the nine types. Um, there's kind of, I heard Ian Morgan Crone talk about the Enneagram and he was kind of describing it nine normals. Yes. Because none of them is right. None of them is wrong. They're not better or worse, but there's these kind of nine normal personality types in the Enneagram that help us better understand and relate. Um, and you help us really kind of understand these through the lens of a Bible character. Are you yeah. willing to kind of go through each type yeah, and maybe sure. illustrate it with the, the Bible character. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Where do you want to start with the one? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. So, and so what I would say is, you know, what, what is these Bible types that are going to help you see yourself? And so uh, the one on the Enneagram, I actually talk about, you know, the story of the prodigal son, you, you know, that story. And it breaks my heart because it's not a story about a prodigal son. It's a story of a father with two sons. And the one is the forgotten son in the story. And I really think that's what the story is all about is this good kid, this kid that did everything right, but is so angry because of the party that's being thrown for his brother. And, wow. and that's what happens to the ones, the most unhealthy one in the Bible is Saul, who is persecuting the church. Uh, he's going after the church, right? He has this sense of you're wrong and I'm going to make you right. So I'm going to arrest everybody from the way. And, 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 and isn't it interesting that God uses uh, Paul to become the messenger of grace. And so, uh, and that's really the opposite of anger as we move. So the two, I use Martha and the story of Mary, Mary and Martha, where um, she just really quickly, you know, has Jesus over for dinner. And not that that wouldn't be stressful. I mean, I'd be stressed if I had you over for dinner. I can't imagine <laughs> cooking for Jesus, but she kind of scolds Jesus, you know, tell, tell, tell my sister Mary to stop listening and come and help me. And so the two's the helper. Uh, and really talking about that. The three, I use the rich young ruler. Um, you know, he's achieving. I, I love in the gospel, it says he ran up to Jesus, right? That's what we do as threes. We're aggressively trying to pursue, pursue you know, and Jesus says, you know, the commandments. He's like, of course I do. I've done all these, right? He's, he's killing it everywhere. Wow. Yeah. And Jesus says one thing you lack, 
And he's, you know, he's calling him on the three sin, which is lying. Nobody's done. Nobody's killing it at all the commandments. Um, I think the most unusual one in my book is the four, King Saul. I think a lot of fours don't identify with leadership. And I think it's interesting that when God picks his first king, he picks a four. Um, the fourth core sin is envy. And ultimately what happens in Saul's life is he becomes consumed with David. So when, God, when God never called him to be David, he called him to be Saul. And I, I think that's a tragedy. The five is Nicodemus, uh, the core sin of, of greed. And it's uh, the five is a competent person. And so fives are cerebral thinkers. And so, you know, for all your listeners, you know, we always tell people they need to be born again. I think it's interesting. That's only found one place in scripture and it's to a five. And what Jesus is saying is you can't think your way into the kingdom of God. Sure. You can't observe this. You're going to have to dive in. You have to be born again. Uh, the six is Peter. Uh, I think he's a counterphobic six. You know, he's terrified, but he's the one that's always willing to try. And he walks on water, takes his eyes off Jesus. And what happens, you know, fear gets the best of Peter over and over and over again. But that's who Jesus built the church on. Uh, my seven is King David. When he dances, he gets naked. <laughs> you know, he's, he's all in all the time, uh, you know, partying and, uh, you know, his priestly garments fall off and he gets naked. Um, but, you know, David, I love David. He was a man after God's own heart, but he was a terrible father. He could never, he ran from painful things. He could never confront his children. And that led to a daughter getting raped, uh, Absalom dying. Um, that led to Bathsheba, you know, as he, as he pursued fun rather than faith, he got into trouble. And so I think that's huge. My eight uh, is actually Nathan, the prophet and Samson. And I tried to use two for the eights. Uh, you know, Nathan is straight up, you know, he tells a story, you are that man. I think it's the greatest, it's the okay corral moment of the Bible. You know, David's like, that guy needs to die. And, and Nathan's like, you're that guy. But also uh, for eights to know that Samson was handpicked before birth to be strong, to be a champion of Israel. And that's what eights are supposed to be. The core sin of the eight is lust. And I think when you read Samson's life, you see that uh, his lust for, for power, for things, for wealth, and for women, D Delilah in particular, ultimately destroy him. Um, you know, there's some redemption at the end, but I don't want people to go through that. And then the nine is Abraham. Um, isn't it interesting that when God starts our faith, he picks a peacemaker. Um, and, you know, uh, nines are beautiful, wonderful, amazing people, but they too oftentimes don't confront. Uh, and the storyline that I pick in the book is his nephew, Lot. So Abraham and Sarah are people that can't have their own kids. So Lot is kind of their son and they can't confront Lot who gets it wrong. And, and this, the tragedy is that Abraham's life is blessed, but, but Lot's life is hell. Everything goes wrong. And it's because Abraham could never challenge him. You know, uh, Abraham's always working for peace, but sometimes that means he tells Sarah, Hey, you're not my wife, <laughs> you know, uh, to avoid conflict. And, um, that's the weakness of the nine. So I talk about all those things. Um, but ultimately the way that I end the book is with, you know, the Enneagram can help you, but only get Jesus can save you. So it's going to end with the gospel and, and yeah. just to encourage people that I'm all about the gospel. I'm all about people finding Jesus, but here's why I would say young leaders need to buy this book and share this book. The problem today is not getting people to believe in Jesus. The problem I see amongst young people, and particularly in California, is they don't believe they're sinners. They just don't. So the Enneagram is a tool that can help you identify, oh, I am a sinner. 
Now, what am I going to do with that sin? And I still believe Jesus is the best answer in the world of any, any religion in the world on what to do with your sin, because only the cross can deal with our shame. Only the cross can deal with our fear. Only the cross can deal with our anger. And, and those are the, the overarching sins of all the nine styles, depending upon what category you're in. And, you know, so think about shame. What are young people told? Well, you should never, you should never feel shame. Shame is bad. So what that means is we're telling young leaders that they can't be honest about how they feel. What I would say is you need to take your shame to the cross because the cross deals with it. Yeah. What do I do with all this fear and anxiety? Think about all of the young people that are on medication. We're, we're, we're numbing ourselves rather than taking my fear to the cross. Only Jesus can deal with my fear ultimately. And then, you know, the, 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 uh, the instinctual triad, the underlying emotion is anger. Look at all the rage in our world today. Democratic rage, Republican rage, oh. Black Lives Matters rage, you know, um, just, just this anger. You see these outbursts in every country around the world. Well, who can deal with our anger? You know, the only way you can get rid of your critical spirit is with the Holy Spirit. And, you know, That's it's so interesting. Yeah, yeah, you know, when Paul, when Paul is transformed, Ananias prays for him and he says, Brother Saul, receive the Holy Spirit. And it's that moment where Paul begins to unleash his anger as he submits to the living God. And he still has moments, you know, where he outbursts the, the disagreement with Barnabas over Mark. Um, you know, his letter to the Galatians, I just wish you would go ahead and emasculate yourself. I was a little, little tense, um, but he's changed forever and he's changed our lives forever. And so I'm grateful. And so, you know, the Enneagram is simply a tool. Jesus Christ is the doctor, but he's going to use this tool to show you what needs to be cut out. And, and here's the thing all your listeners need to know. Jesus only changes what we ask him to change. So if you don't know, what do you do? You say, you say Jesus, you know, uh, go through the Bible and look where Jesus says, what do you want me to do? Often. Right? He, why are you here? Um, Adam and Eve, where are you? Like, there's these questions that are so important. And we need to ask ourselves, okay, where am I? Um, you know, think about the, the Apostle Paul when he, when he meets Jesus on the road to Damascus. He hears, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Listen to this. Here's a guy who's devoted his entire life to God. He doesn't even know whose voice he's hearing. He says, who are you? He's so disconnected as a religious person from God that he doesn't even know God's voice when he hears it. That's powerful. Yeah. That's powerful. And, 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 and so think about like Bill Hybels, someone who's used of God, but got so far from the voice of God. And here's why. He wasn't dealing with what was going on on the inside. And for young leaders, here's the thing you need to know. Man, when you serve God, there are going to be moments where you feel like you're a rock star. You're on stage. You get the accolades. You get the attention. Where are you going to deal? Where are you going to deal with all that energy, all that attention? You, you've got to learn some skills. Otherwise, you're going to be another you know, uh, note of another leader that blew it, of another leader that went south. Uh, I always ask myself, how do, what are the people going to say when they do a podcast about Matt Brown 10 years from now, what's going to be on that podcast. And I, I live remembering that, um, you know, when I see a leader fall or fail, I say, God, a, thank you for that, not being me, but by the grace of God, there go I, 
but B, how do I live my life so that's not me? So, and the Enneagram shows me where I can go off the rails. Because yeah. I think a lot of leaders, I can't tell you how many pastors that they had an affair, they, they, they blew up their ministry and, and they, they said, I never saw it coming. And that's because they didn't know themselves. So, and again, knowing ourselves um, helps us know others better, helps us know God better. I remember vividly a moment where I was at one of my mentors. Um, he was the first young adult pastor that I had ever met. And he spent time with me early on. His name's Paul Herkman, leads a great nonprofit called Venture. And Paul sat me down at Jensen's Cafe and he goes, Josiah, if you were the devil, how would you take Josiah out? Wow. And that's, that's like what you just said, or what I just would, I had this flashback as you're describing this, the Enneagram can help maybe reveal or God, he uses the tool of the Enneagram in your words, your vernacular to help us show what to cut out, or maybe where we're weak or vulnerable or where we yeah. have some natural sin tendencies or natural propensities of both some strengths, but also some sin spots. And I'm just curious where did you first cross into the narrative of Enneagram? Like, do you remember it? How, like, yes. clearly oh. must have impacted your life to now help other leaders use this tool. Well, so I would say I found the Enneagram because God gave it to me after I realized I had a broken marriage. So, so I'm in, I, I'm married to Tammy. I'm, I've started a church. Sandals is growing. Um, it's so hard to start a church in California, you know, and, wow. and a lot of guys say they started a church. They really transferred a bunch of church people. Like we, sure. I knocked on thousands of doors. I got bit by a dog. I had a gun pulled on me. Like it was horrible. Um, but my wife and I got in a huge argument, Josiah, and, um, I'm not proud of this. I don't want anyone to think that I'm condoning this, but it's such a huge seminal moment for me in terms of real with self. So the fight ended late in the evening, we were arguing and she had gone in the bathroom and locked the door and she was crying on the other side of the door. I was on one side of the door. She's on the other side of the door. And Josiah, I said this, I said, why is it that the whole world, I'm not proud of this, this is what I said. Why is it the whole world thinks I'm amazing, but you? And I heard this whimpering voice on the other side of the door. And she said, because no one knows the real you like I do. I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit of God punched me in my soul. And I realized at that moment, I got work to do. Mm. I got work to do. And I didn't know what to do. And I was actually in school as a, uh, I was getting my doctorate um, doctorate of ministry from Talbot uh, Seminary. And in our spiritual formation class, there was a book by Richard Rohr. And it was the Enneagram from a Christian perspective. Wow. I picked that thing up. And I got to, I got to the third chapter on the three. And I just went, Oh, you know, cause I really believed Josiah. I was a pretty good guy. I really believed that when I began to look at the three in me, I realized there's a, there's a reason the cross is bloody because I'm deceived. And so the three's core sin is deception. And as a three, I was lying to myself, telling myself, I'm not that bad. I'm not. That's why I think Jesus says we're supposed to love our enemies because I think sometimes our enemy is the only one who's honest with us. Wow. You know, because if you're a friend, if you're a family member, you're a spouse, you're an employee, there's consequences for honesty. For an sure. enemy doesn't care. You're a jerk. 
you're a racist, you're a punk, you know, you're whatever. And they just, and that's why I think he says, we got to love them because God may be speaking through them to us. And I need to hear that. So I used to write people off, you know, like my own wife, I'm willing to, to write my own wife off. And so that's what I would say. That's when it started. Um, that was 2007. And here's the thing. Everybody needs to listen. Everybody would have considered me successful. I was successful. We started a church with seven people. We were running 1200 at the time. Uh, wow. That was unheard of outside of like Saddleback or um, uh, a couple churches in San Diego. Like that just didn't happen. And um, things were going great professionally. Things were terrible personally. And that's what happens with these leaders is they become, they become two people. You become who you are as a leader, and then there's who you are as a person. And, and, and the gift that you can give to yourself is to make sure that those two people are the same. So Jesus says outwardly, right, you're dressed in all these clothes. You, you are this beautiful person, but inwardly, you're a whitewashed tomb. There's nothing but a corpse underneath. Um, and and we, we can become divorced from, you know, ourselves. And, and in the first chapter of the book, I think a lot of us as leaders, we think the mission of God is the people we want to reach, but we fail to realize that God's mission is you. Yeah. And, and, and what's the point if you reach everyone on earth, but you yourself are lost. And, um, you know, the tragedy of good Friday is Judas. He, I, he was loved, cared for, you know, think about that. The first Lord's supper, Jesus takes the hand of Judas and he places it in the cup, puts the bread in the cup. And, and man, if we're not careful, we can become so divorced. And, and it says he ran out and he, and he betrayed Jesus. And he just was so con disconnected from himself. And it's just, it's just sad. I don't want to be that guy. Yeah. So. By the way, when I asked you that question of where did you find it? I wasn't expecting that. I thought, oh, I found it at a bookstore, Barnes and Noble, or went to a conference, heard a presentation. But so thank you for the transparency and vulnerability to just share some of the, the things that you've struggled with and that the spirit has guided you through. Yeah. Amen. I mean, Paul says when we are weak, then we're strong. Yeah. So the, the Enneagram can show you where you're weak so you can become strong. That so. is Amazing. Okay. So like thinking in terms of teams that we lead, people we work with, people at home, how have you seen the Enneagram in this content help teams better understand and relate to one another and ultimately become more productive, more effective in God's kingdom? Yeah. So it's essential to understanding your teams. Every leader that has a team, I would get the book, go through it, talk about it. Um, because some of your best ideas are going to come from nines or on your team. They're never going to, they're never going to speak up. Your eights are never going to shut up. Right. So they're always going to have ideas. Um, I had an eight one time tell me, I want you to hear my idea first. I said, that's impossible because I already have an idea. <laughs> so, but he, he still shared it anyways. And so eights are going to run over people. Eights are, are not going to see people, but eights are your strongest leaders. Yeah. And uh, they're, you know, they're, they're natural protectors and natural champions but they're not vulnerable. They're not real. Uh, sevens want to have a good time. I mean, they'll turn your church into a youth group, right? You're always having a good time, but nobody's doing any real work. Um, you know, sixes are going to protect and you're going to be, you know, fearful. Oh, we can't do that. Or we can't raise that money. Um, 
and they're driven by fear. And so you need to, you need to say, how do I challenge them to faith? Fives want to come up with the perfect idea before you move. Well, they never move, you know, um, you know, so you've got to say, okay, we're going to ideate and, but we're going to make a decision. We're uh-huh. not going to wait until the idea is perfect. You know, fours, um, you know, they want to emote, they want to feel, they want to feel emotional. They want to feel like it's real. They want to know their place in the organization. Uh, so how do you affirm that? But, you know, not make everything a cry fest, you know, all the time. So threes, they're not going to be real. They just want to execute. They want to be efficient. They want to run through that. Uh, they don't see people. They, you know, if you're not careful as a three, right, you're going to use people rather than minister to people. And then twos, you know, they constantly want to serve and they're kind of always stuck in the weeds. They don't ever kind of get head up and strategize and look out. And so, and then ones, you know, they want to make sure that everything's orthodox and perfect and good, right, and true. And, and then they, they end up just getting stuck in refereeing rather than playing on the field. Um, you know, God's not called you to be a referee. You're a player. Get on the field. Um, and I think I did nines. But so, so that's the way that I, I, I tried to, to react to that. And I try to read my, my team and understand their weakness. I know I'm always going to have to push nines. I'm always going to have to challenge eights. You have to be so direct with an eight. You can't, you know, that was so much a big part of my brokenness as a leader early on is I led people the way I want to be led. It doesn't work. So that's powerful. And um, you were talking about eights near the beginning. And one of the most refreshing things when I met my wife is like, so we live in Minneapolis, Minnesota. I joked before it was the people paradise of planet earth. And there's this thing that you'll hear it's called Minnesota nice. And the cool thing is people everywhere are just really kind, really friendly, but the downfall Enneagram, you know, sin in Minnesota, in our state is I heard it said that Minnesotans will give you directions anywhere except to their house. Wow. So there's this idea of like kind of a front or passive aggressive or false harmony, some of that going on in the Midwest. And so I meet my wife and she's direct. She's an excellent communicator and she can tell you exactly her thoughts. And to me, that's so refreshing. She's an eight. And um, I think challengers, they, they make us better. Yes. Amen. They, and, and so I need that in my life. And then whether it's a seven, they're going to make things fun and following Jesus should be fun. It shouldn't be boring or you're doing it wrong. And then achievers, you know, people, they all have strengths to be, you know, part of the body of Christ. And one of the things you touch on in the book that I'd love for you to go deep with for a second is relationships. Mm -hmm. This is a really tense time in our world where families are being torn apart by polarized politics. It's really toxic, many times hostile on social media or in person. And I just ask you this, Pastor Matthew, what is the root of our relationship struggles and how can we overcome them? Yeah. So I would say just point blank that sin is a relational disease. That's what it is. Um, it has physical and emotional outcomes, but it is a relational disease. It separates you from God. It separates you from yourself. It separates you from the people that you love the most. And so that's why the Enneagram is so important because in our world, right, we're, we're more digitally connected than we've ever been, but we're relationally divorced. Ouch. You know, Facebook is not relationship. It's just not. Here's what I did today. Um, 
you know, and a lot of people now they watch me online when I preach and they say, oh, I go to your church. I said, no, 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 we don't go to church. We're a part of the church. So how are you a part of the church? Um, and so what I would say is, is, is Christianity is a relational movement of health. So when you become a Christian, right, Jesus heals the brokenness between you and God. That, that immediately happens. Then he, he's going to begin to heal the, the brokenness in you and ultimately in your relationships with others. That's why there's so many one another commands in scripture. And it's why I think um, Christianity at its core is what the, the world needs. It's a relational movement and um, towards self, towards others and towards God. And, and for most of us, right, we grew up in church. It's about believing right things rather than being in healthy relationships. So whenever somebody says, oh, I got hurt by the church, what you got hurt by was not the church. You got hurt by broken people yep. who don't have the skills or the awareness to walk in relational health. They, they just don't. Like you said, Minnesotans, I'm going to give you an address to anywhere out there, but not here. Well, until we invite people in, man, we can never experience healing. And so, and so here's the, the, the amazing thing about God. Why are we all broken? Because people have broken us, our moms, our dads, our friends, an abuser. So people wound us, but God uses people to bring healing. That's what God does. We all have probably encountered somebody that's hurt us. And like your friend who said, how would Satan take Josiah down? Those are words from God. So yeah. God is using a person to bring healing and health to you. And, and we can't have that if we're not in community, uh, if we're not with, with people who are open and honest with us. So, so that's what I would say is, and I feel like this is my calling is to bring relational healing. I think we have categories in our culture for ethnic identity, sexual identity, political identity, um, you know, but we don't have, there's no room for personal identity anymore. I mean, you're, you're, you're one of those three things. And it's like, no, you're a person. And how can I minister to you? and reach to you. And we constantly talk about people um, in categories rather than saying, I want to know you. I care about you. And, and, and the Enneagram will help you begin to do that. And, and for your listeners, you know, there are some people that get weird with it. You know, uh, I tell people the Enneagram is a tool uh, like a knife. So if you, if you came over to my house for dinner and I'm using a knife uh, to chop up some salad or cut some steak or whatever it is that we're eating, right? It's a good thing. Let's say somebody breaks into our house that night and they take that same knife. Now that same tool is a dangerous thing. Yeah. So the Enneagram is good, right, and true when it's in the hands of a Christian that's good, right, and true. When it's in the hands of somebody that's bad, it's, it's a bad thing. And we, we need to make sure that we're, 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 we're saying, okay, God, I want you to use this. So it's just like counseling. I'll go to a counselor, but I'm only going to a Christian counselor. That, that's my preference. And if you yeah. have you know, people that wouldn't identify, that's fine. I want somebody who understands my moral and ethical code yeah. and my spiritual grounding. So I'm not going to go to an Enneagram expert to be taught by someone who doesn't have my same moral, ethical, and spiritual grounding. I'm just not. So that's, yeah, that's amazing. And my prayer, our hope going into this interview is that um, really shame can come off. Instead yeah, of this idea of shame's on you, really that clearing out the clutter that the shame can go and it, be, it can be removed. And instead that you can embrace the leadership style that God's given you. It's a part of you. Also the personality, there's, there's nothing wrong with you outside of sin. Like you're wired the way that you are because God designed the world to be a better place 
in you and through you. And Pastor Matthew, we love wrapping up our shows, our podcasts. I think the listeners have a blast with this, getting to know you better. Perfect for uh, somebody who's passionate about the Enneagram, but it's called five in five, like five questions in five minutes, kind of rapid fire. Yeah. It's the home run derby basketball fan, you know, three point challenge and uh, football would be the two minute drill, but we will put five minutes on the clock. And uh, question number one, people who are watching on YouTube will especially appreciate um, because I just wrote it. Are you a biker? Tell us about what's behind you. Oh man. Yes. So real quickly, man, this is, a, this is hard. So when I was 15 years old, it's the first time I knew God was real. My dad was a pastor and um, I'm a triathlete cyclist. And I took my dad, my dad would take both of, both of his boys on a date night, just dad and, and his sons every other week. And I took my dad to this bike store and I pointed this bike. I said, dad, this is my dream. My dad cried because he was a pastor and he could, this bike was very expensive. Wow. Literally hundreds and hundreds of dollars more than what he could afford in the eighties, which nowadays would be thousands of dollars. And it's the first time in my life I realized my dad um, loved me, but couldn't always give me what I wanted. And I apologized. I said, dad, I'm so sorry. Uh, Cause I made, I felt like I made him feel bad about that bike. The next day I was at little league game playing little league and a young man pulled up behind me on the exact same bike and said, does anybody want to buy this bicycle? And I said, how much? He said, $75. So my first, I said, was it stolen? He said, no, I'm in the military. I'm getting shipped out tomorrow. I can't take it. My dad wrote him the check. My mom said, it's a true story. My mom said, we need to, we need to send that uh, Air Force cadet. We need to send him a thank you note because God used him to provide for you. So we went to the base. They have no record of that soldier. They've never heard of him. So my mom said, well, the bike's stolen. So we went to the police department, went to the local bike store. The bike manufacturer that makes this bike has no record anywhere of the bike ever being made. I think it was an angel. I told my wife, when I die, this bike is going to be with me. Because what it, what it told me was, God cares about you no matter how small your prayer request is. It's a big deal to him. So, Sheesh. yeah, right. So it's behind me. So I believe an angel of God sold that to me. Uh, and, and the, I think the price of the bike was $750. So it was 10% of the actual cost of the bike. I am so glad that I went off I to ask you that, but I figure yeah. I go, you're sharp. And I'm like, okay, there's a bike behind you. It, it clearly means something. And yeah, it yeah. Does. what a great oh, question. Yeah. Okay. How was more than a minute? <laughs> it's all right. Well, I'll, I'll make them fast. If you could ask me a question today, what would it be? This is the curveball. It keeps me on my toes. Yeah. Um, where do you feel like you need to grow the most as a leader? I love that question. That was a hard one. Sorry. I love that question. I welcome it. You know, I think right now I'm in a season where married two kids under two, and I am in a season where, um, I'm self-discovered, but still self-discovering. And what I'm learning about myself is to narrow the lane and let the yes be yes. And the no be no my whole life. I'm the achiever who's enthusiastic. I'm like the enthusiastic achiever who's really had never had to say no to -hmm. commitments. And I've also really never been told no a whole lot. So with that, I think that a similar story to your bike, um, 
I feel like there's a commitment in September or it's September now it's in October. It'd be good, but the weekend with my family would be better. Yeah. Amen. And, yeah. and so I talked about it with my wife and I brought it up like three nights in a row and I just couldn't say no, couldn't say no. And I finally was like, okay, I think it's gotta be a no. And, uh, that same day I was, I was doing some yard work after work and I get a text from a different, you know, opportunity that I feel actually is more in the lane. And when Mm -hmm. it's in the lane, it's like green light every time, but when it's outside. Mm -hmm. um, So I guess that's the, is that even a lesson? Yeah. (laughs) That's what I'm learning. And what God's speaking to me is he's faithful and I don't need to go and achieve it on my own. It's already, um, the greatest achievement is already done and it's on the cross. So that's what I'm learning. Um, here is another question. Why do you believe young adult ministry is important? Because it's the future of the church. I mean, it's essential. Um, you know, if we don't reach the next generation, there's no faith. Um, one of the most powerful moments in my life when I graduated seminary, I think it was 29 years old. Uh, the seminary president, I'll never forget, he, he bent over me. He whispered in my ear. And he said, son, I've run my race. I finished well. I pray that you do as well. Here's the baton. It's, it's your turn now. I'm telling you, I felt like the weight of the world was on my shoulders, but I also realized that it's my job to lead, to run my segment, but to make sure that I'm reaching back for young leaders behind me so that I can pass the baton off to them. And I think that that's, it's absolutely essential run hard. You don't have to know it all. You don't have to have all the experience get in a church, serve at a church where they let you make mistakes. They love you. They come alongside you. That's so essential. Young leaders need room to run and make mistakes because we can't learn everything from someone else's experience. You have to learn from your own mistakes. And that's just, that's an unfortunate part of the journey, but it's what makes you great. Wow. Wow. I love that for young leaders. They need room, but they, they also need some of those God limits and, uh, Wow. What is one question that I didn't ask you, but you wished I would have asked you? I I thought you asked me great questions. Um, um, I don't have an answer for that. I thought, I thought you were one of the best question askers I've had since all the shows I've been on. I thought yours were thoughtful and and great. Um, Maybe where can you buy the book? Amazon. (laughs) Boom. And I'll take that. Thanks so much. I do try. We try to pray over every guest. Yeah, oh, I can tell. I and felt we it. We try to pray over like every question. And it's cool how even sometimes we do go off script and boom, it's about the bike. So, okay. Closing thought. Definitely check it out on Amazon. We recommend the book. I have it right here. And Mike yeah. and I are really enthusiastic about the Enneagram and a book called you. But Pastor Matthew, if you could be placed on stage in a room where it's filled with young leaders and we hand you the microphone and ask you to share a word of encouragement with them. What would you say today? Yeah. Well, I could tell you my sermon would be on honor and and how important it is to, uh, to, to honor where God has you so that God will honor you and place you where he's called you to be. And so for young leaders, right, they know they have a calling. They're not there yet. So how do you get where God's called you? honor where God has you. And, and for those who are watching, there's always a gap. So when I was your guys age, I would go to conferences and see people here. And I would say, 
well, that's where God has me. And so what happens is I don't honor, or that's where God's called me. I don't honor where God has me. And so what he has to do is he has to prepare me to be at that step. And young leaders that rise too quickly don't last. They just don't. So, um, you know, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, thou art with me. You got to go through the valley so you can stay with God on the mountaintop. And that's just essential. Wow, Pastor Matthew, I knew this was going to be good. I've been looking forward to it a long time. We love the young adult ministry that God has placed in California. Candles Church, love your church, respect and, and admire you and honor you. So thank you for your time. But I'm beaming right now. This is oh, wow. this has been a gift to me, and I know it will be to the listener as well. What a great conversation. And and I think about those um, on the journey. There's going to be the mountaintop moments and there's the valley moments, but he's with us. Yes, amen. Yeah, it's powerful. So I just want to say one more time, thank you so much for your investment yeah. in the community today. Thanks, guys. You got it. And one last time, if you want to find out more about Pastor Matthew Stephen Brown, Sandals Church, as well as a book called You, you can connect with us online at the Young Adults Today, as well as on social media at Young Adults Today. Until next time, Josiah and Pastor Matthew Stephen Brown signing off. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to today's conversation on the Young Adults Today podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Right now. Plug me in. I'm getting charged up right now, yeah.